Hey, this is Chris. Before we get to the show, let me tell you a little bit about Anchor. Anchor is our way of we record podcasts. Fantastic. Let me tell you why. It's easy. It's free. There are creation tools that we can record and edit your podcast right from your phone and your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on such um, providers as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need in a podcast and so much more. Check out Anchor, and you can find it all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Anchor, it's a fantastic way of creating your first podcast and making it work. Hey, uh, we're into June now, which is crazy. Welcome uh, to the Ohioan uh, Tuesday, June 1st, kind of the official start of summer. Uh, it doesn't technically such a June 20th, but I always think about that day after Memorial Day is when we hit the summer months. Uh, here with Brandon and Craig. How are you guys doing today? Doing well. How are you? Doing great. Thanks. Fantastic. Um, uh, Brandon, any fun uh, things you did over Memorial Day? We took the day off, had some uh, best of content. Anything exciting with your Memorial Day? Um, no, I just kind of had family over for a grill. And then my sister uh, invited me over to her place for some uh, food as well. So, uh, Pretty laid back and uh, chill Memorial Day. Fantastic. Craig, you were on vacation. Um, probably kind of readjusting after you got back from vacation. <laughs> yeah, we went to Tennessee, so we we're uh, kind of readjusting to the uh, hour difference and uh, had some uh, had a little cookout and, uh, and sort of enjoyed the day off, I guess you could say. But uh, certainly, uh, you know, definitely uh, thinking about uh, why we had the day off in, in the first place. So uh, definitely, uh, you know, good to have a day off, but you also wanted to kind of reflect a little bit about why we have a day off like that as well and think of everybody that's served in the military um, and, and just fought for our freedom. So uh, it's kind of one of those uh, relaxing days, but uh, we're thankful to have it. All right. Very good. And, you know, hopefully I mentioned this. We did a special Steelers podcast on Sunday. Uh, I know it's hard. I mean, a lot of us, we look at the, this day as a, you know, a good day to be off or go on vacation. Um, try my best to kind of think for a little bit about uh, the people that made the sacrifice. Um, you know, I know um, a lot of argument in the country now. Um, definitely check out Hope Interrupted book. Uh, it's, it's good um, ways of beating some of the arguments. But uh, the broader point is, you know, no matter what you think about what's happening with wars and everything, you, you know, it's always good to just remember those who made the ultimate sacrifice, those who died. I mean, you're 20 and you're giving up your life for the country. I'm not sure if I have that much courage. So, uh, bravo to them. And uh, hopefully you think about that. And even just a Memorial Day you know, throughout the year as well. Well, let's start out the, um, the day today. Kind of a weird, this is kind of like the summer of amusement parks. Um, you know, we're starting to open some things up with COVID and, um, you know, Craig um, covers some Sierra Point issues up with his paper in Fremont. Uh, he wrote about uh, some issues at Cedar Point. In response, they've um, uh, increased the hour per hour rate for part-time employees 
And now, Brandon, uh, we also heard about uh, Kings Island um, the other week. Uh, there were some fights that closed the park early, and now they're going to close the park a couple hours early during the summer. Um, they're citing, you know, some staff shortages down there. I know they increased their hourly rate about a week ago to fifteen bucks an hour. Kind of weird summer. I mean, you know, you think about staying at the park until dusk and everything. Now, at least for the time being, you won't be able to do that at Kings Island. Kind of surprising. Yeah, it's kind of be expected. Probably they have to um, uh, kind of make these changes given what ha- had occurred. Um, it's probably for the best, and um, maybe who knows? Maybe things will simmer down over the next few years. Um, so, yeah, that's all I had to add. Craig, I know you've been out of the states. So yeah, I'm sure you haven't been around Cedar Point as much lately. I saw something that struck me. I mean, it's a Memorial Day weekend. You think it's a weekend where people are out traveling. Um, you know, we missed a lot of Cedar Point last year. You thought it would be busy. Uh, I saw a friend on Facebook kind of post about taking a trip to Cedar Point, and they said, hey, we thought it was going to be crazy. There really wasn't that many people there. Um, I don't know. Do you think it's the publicity, or do you think just people are finding some other things to do early in the summer? Well, it, it might be a little bit of everything. I think maybe people are finding other things to do because they believe that if they go to Cedar Point, maybe it'll be too busy for them to ride rides or get in the food lines. And, and maybe they're a little skeptical about, you know, whether or not Cedar Point will have enough staffing to, to kind of meet the needs. So maybe people are kind of shying away from Cedar Point for right now until, you know, maybe they have an announcement where they have a full staff again or go back to like normal hours and operating days like they you know obviously have some days off in June um, to accommodate for a lack of workforce so you know it's possible that you know maybe people are, are, are finding other things to do um, over the weekend you know we had a sort of a pared down version of Ohio bike week up here in Sandusky where it was instead of downtown it was at uh, the Harley Davidson uh, store on Route 250, so we, we drove by that uh, on our way back into town, and um, it was it was pretty busy down there, but it wasn't as busy as it normally would be as people celebrate Bike Week in, in Sandusky. So maybe people are just finding different things to do, and uh, you know, until Cedar Point's able to staff up a little bit more and and maybe uh, reduce some of those long lines, or maybe allow for uh, more rides to be available. You know, yeah, I, I definitely see what you're saying there. Um, Brandon, you know, the one thing I, I can't help but think, I, I'm not a huge um, roller coaster amusement park. I mean, I probably would not be going to Sear Point and King's Island in a typical year. But in some ways, I feel kind of bummed out. I feel like, man, you know, these are staples of Ohio. And they're not going away. It's just not a great start of the year for them. And I'm hearing that King's Island's closing two hours early. Again, I'm probably not going to King's Island. But I'm bummed out. This is tough. Um, should we be bummed out or should we just be happy that we've got at least more Kings on the Cedar Point and these other places than we did last year when we were in the midst of the heavy part of COVID? I, maybe I shouldn't be this bummed out, but I kind of feel bummed out this morning because of that. Well, I mean, like you pointed out, I mean, we're still coming out of the pandemic here and, uh, you know, we're still kind of coming out of the, probably the most politically tumultuous, if that's a word um year ever so i mean like tensions are still high tensions are still raw and some you people <clears throat> sorry you mean tumultuous 
Maybe, yeah. Okay. What are you referring to? I, I, Chris, just let it slide. Okay. <laughs> it's morning yeah. for me. <laughs> I'm slurring my words like uh, um, uh, Chandler on the Friends reunion. Um, but um, <laughs> shot fired. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't even seen the reunion yet. I see Twitter. Um, <clears throat> but um, yeah, I think. Uh, um, you know where it's they'll get back up and running it's it's you know i don't think this is going to be a, a conf, um you know nothing this doesn't seem like a threatening thing so yeah I, i'm wondering it's going to affect other places i know i mean my daughter if um she actually made an appearance on the podcast last week Greg. we missed you and we were having my daughter make appearances that's so crazy it was like <laughs> But, you, you know, my daughter's upset because Ohio State Fair, I mean, it's not just cut by two hours. I mean, it's, you know, for the general public, it's gone. I, I'm wondering if they're going to possibly change their minds, you know, if the health order is going away. Or I, I think it's probably too late. The Ohio State Fair is still going to be gone then, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, hopefully – it's kind of surprising. I think these, you know, I can't really exactly remember when the Ohio State Fair is, but I know in Sadusky County we're going to have a normal fair. Um, it just seems like, you know, some of the, you know, some of these events that have been scheduled, you know, maybe they decided too far in advance that they weren't going to have, you know, full public access because starting tomorrow, you know, the health orders kind of go away, and you know, the more and more. You know, we were in Tennessee and we saw a lot of people that weren't wearing masks and people could have the option of not wearing a mask if they were vaccinated. And, you know, coming back into Ohio, we feel like fewer people are, are masking up. So I'm just kind of curious as to if, if things like that can change where, you know, they decide, well, yeah, actually, we can have a, a full, you know, full go of people in the public if, if you know, if you want to. But you know, I guess if you make a decision in the spring, you you might have to just uh, live with it here in the summer. Yeah, it's going to be a weird summer because last year most everything got closed and the stuff that got open, you, you know, people were scratching their heads going, why is it open during the middle of a pandemic? It, it's weird this year. I mean, there's going to be, I mean, already the Reds and the Indians are advertising tomorrow as our second opening day. I mean, mm -hmm. you, fill, you can fill up the crowd uh, tomorrow. Um, the crew, have they made an official announcement, Brandon, on if it's going to be totally filled up or is that still uh, being debated? Uh, having talked to someone off the record, um, I think it's slight more more unlikely they're going to open full capacity at least. If not, if not, the, not in June, they'll definitely open full capacity for the new stadium. Right, right. That's so, my yeah. Guess. And. It's strange. And again, you know, the church we've been attending, um, they're very more, and when I say conservative, more careful with COVID. Like, you know, hey, wear your mask, everything else. But next week they're saying, hey, we'll still have a kind of a section if you more feel comfortable spread, spreading out. But, you know, they're going to be fully open, you know, and saying, hey, mask will be optional. And, you know, hey, maybe that's a sign that, that, we're in better shape of COVID. I'm just hoping we're not moving too quick. Um, I'm hoping that this isn't just based on the general public's frustrated and saying, ah, enough of this. I don't wear a mask anymore. Hopefully there's like a science behind it and hopefully that there's 
Um, good health guidance, you know, from our state. Um, I felt better. I was watching CNN over the weekend. They talked to some health ex- experts that were saying, look, you know, if you're fully vaccinated, you know, don't, you don't have to wear a mask outside. You're pretty good. Um, you know, there's certain places you have to be careful. And that made me feel better, even about going to see some family yesterday. But it, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next little bit. So, um, and I, I definitely think back to where we're starting from. COVID's going to directly have an impact on what's happening over the next um, couple of weeks and couple of months. And, you know, uh, Brandon, we were talking about this for the past couple weeks. I mean, I think even after COVID even gets better, we're going to see these impacts on the economy from short staffing to other things that I, I think we're going to be surprised. I mean, I think over the next couple months, we're going to hear about stuff that we're not having heard of just based on what happened with COVID. Yeah. Um, You know, I think it's like information's always flying around. Um, it's always updating. Um, and I still think people um, should still kind of, um, you know, be cautious and um, take, take still, t- you know, like, I mean, sure, but follow the CDC guidelines. Um, but, you know, I remember when during back in the onset of the pandemic, um, people were actually, you know, they bought groceries and, uh, took them home and wiped them down. And it wasn't like something that the CDC necessarily recommend, didn't even recommend it at the time. Um, but people still did it. And I, I go and say, you know, um, just because, you know, there are some guidelines out there that, you know, they're updating a little bit to be a bit more lenient, you know, um, you know, it's, 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 it doesn't hurt to have at the end of the day, it's up to you being the judgment, uh, caller, uh, to decide like, uh, how, how, uh, how best to proceed uh, currently as more people are getting vaccinated. So um, kind of pay attention to the numbers for sure. Um, also kind of look at, um, uh, look at the CDC guidelines, um, come with that full realization and understanding that politics t- can taint, taint uh, some of these guidelines. And who's to say that Biden administration's not necessarily um, getting involved in that sense. Um, not saying it is, but you know, it's possible, but um I think, uh, you know, just kind of, you know, better safe than sorry approach, I think, has always been more soundproof than ever. So, um, but yeah, if if you're definitely within, if everyone's getting vaccinated in your circles, um, probably you're safe without a mask. Um, But maybe going to a grocery store or going to an event, uh, probably mask up, you know, even if it's not required. All right. Yeah, and definitely good advice. Um, hey, uh, let me give you some more good advice. Um, you know, buying furniture can be a pain. I like getting new furniture, but it takes a while. It takes a long time. Um, sometimes it's tough. You know, you may not feel comfortable going to the store. It, it takes a while. I mean, it's a good couple-hour process. I mean, I like the stores where you can just go and get your stuff and leave, and it's hard. You always can't. You can't always do that in terms of buying your furniture. Well, this is where Ashley Home Store comes in. Great website. You can do your ordering online. Uh, if you uh, click on our link on our podcast page or our website, uh, they'll give you savings right away. You can use in the store or online. They've got shipping options. So many um, great things to check out. Uh, we like Ashley Home Store, and um, I, I've got 
way too much furniture in my house right now, but um, I definitely want to go back to them uh, next time I'm looking for furniture. So check out Ashley Home Store. Uh, you save money and you save time, which is just as important. I always tell my wife, what's your time worth? And you can save that, and you can save more time and money by checking out Ashley Home Store. All right. Well, let's get back to uh, what we're talking about. Uh, I don't know. We've kind of got into – I wouldn't necessarily call him a whipping boy, but – Man, Josh Mandel keeps coming up on the news. Uh, we talked about him a few weeks ago where uh, he was going after a reporter uh, during a sand, not not a Sandusky, um, a campaign stop uh, near Cleveland. Uh, I believe it was the Strongsville area um, where I think it was a Marjorie Taylor Greene, uh, Matt Gatz event. And Josh Mandel spoke and he kind of said, hey, he's going after a reporter and stuff. Well, Josh Mendel's probably not too happy with the media because uh, Gannett, Ohio, uh, published a story uh, talking about, look, sources are telling us that Josh Mendel's campaign is losing fundraisers. Um, and this is not the time where you're losing fundraisers. I mean, you know, it's a political season. We're getting into a pretty critical time um, on the Democratic side. Right now, you got Tim Ryan, and Tim Ryan's going to be a definitely formidable challenger. On the Republican side, there is a lot of guys out there. Uh, I still think probably your two best options in terms of most public options, um, you know, Josh Mandel is pretty much going against Jane Timken. And Brandon, I don't know. This news does not sound like a good sign for Mandel's campaign. Um, yeah, doesn't doesn't sound um, promising with you know kind of it's always fun how the media looks for signs um but we'll uh see it's still kind of early i think and um at the end of the day it's over until it's only over if mr uh if mr mandel says it's over so um um you know i think it's you know it's just kind of interesting it's interesting mostly in terms of who's got bought who's who's kind of got the the buy-in from from the backers. And as I say that the Republican primary, uh, first Senator, um, Portman seat is mostly just seemingly, a which what kind of more of a temperature for who's where Ohio's at on the Trump spectrum. Um, and just kind of think if, do they even care if you're a Republican that necessarily backs Trump or not? I mean, we don't really haven't seen a non-Trump Senator get involved yet. Um, and I don't know if that's, um, if that's a sign of itself alone, but you know, just that's where my thinking's at on this, on this, on this, these kinds of stories. But, um, um, it'll be interesting to see whoever kind of goes up against Ryan. Yeah. Um, Craig, I, I agree with Brent's assessment, uh, but where have we come where, you know, the initial Republican Senate race is almost kind of getting into who can curry, you know, former President Trump's favor. You know, it seems like, you know, you look at Mandel's Twitter, he's going after it. You know, Jane Temkin is close. And, you know, we see all these stories about how Mandel kind of got kicked out of a fundraising event that Trump was at and everything else. Um, you know, Brandon's right. It's, it's so early. I mean, I, I don't think we need to bury people right now, but. I don't know. It doesn't seem too promising for Mandel. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, I do agree it's very early, but certainly isn't a good sign. You know, he gets kicked out of a fundraising event. You know, he outlandishly just calls out reporters during, you know, campaign stops. He certainly is 
putting his name, attaching his name to, you know, Marjorie uh, Taylor Greene and also Matt Gatz, who have had some issues here lately. So probably not the best, uh, the best names to attach yourself to. And, you know, realistically, the, the idea is that Mandel is a pro-Trump guy and that he's going to garner all those votes because of that. Well, Jane Timken's a pro-Trump person, too, and she's been, you know, going after the favor of Trump for a number of years now. So I don't know that that's really in his corner anymore as he maybe loses donors. I don't I think Timken's playing sort of the long game where she's he certainly has a stance as being pro-Trump, but she's not doing it in a way where Josh Mandel is losing support slash getting kicked out of, you know, events for, you know, not being, you know, I guess, you know, a big enough fundraiser or whatever it may be. But, you know, I think Timken's kind of biding her time here, it looks like, and just kind of letting Mandel do what he does and which is obviously create a lot of, you know, controversy on Twitter and, and just try to stir things up. And she just seems to be kind of laying in the weeds, just waiting to, to kind of take her spot. And, you know, I think that's probably why she, you don't really see her out and about as much as maybe you see Mandel right now. If anything, it's that way Craig describes. It's like Timkin's like, "Hey, man, Josh, here's here's some rope. Here's some rope for you." For you. Yeah. <laughs> I think she's waiting for him to stumble. I, you know, he's kind of stumbling a little bit. You know, I think that's what she's waiting for. And Timkin has a decent relationship with Trump. You know, uh, Timkin kind of ran the Republican Party in Ohio for a long time. And yeah, she's yeah. not run. She's not run for elected office, though, right? Right. No. But she can speak to the fact that if if she if it comes down to whoever is going to win this primary is the one that's going to say Trump backs me, well, she can tell Trump, hey, I helped you win Ohio by eight and a half points. What did Josh Mandel ever do for you? So, I you know I think that that's going to be her selling point. I think her selling point is she's going to stay the course. She's not going to be as outlandish right now. And she's going to try to hope that Josh Mandel stumbles. And so far, he's stumbled a little bit out of the gates here because of all the controversy that he's, you know, had on Twitter, getting kicked out of a fundraiser, and then, of course, you know, attaching himself to this, you know, this who's who of Republicans that have, you know, generated a lot of controversy themselves. So I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure that Mandel's out of it. I'm just saying that I think, Mar- you know. I think Jane Timken's kind of saying, I'm just going to play my game the way I need to play it, and Josh Mandel's going to maybe trip over something here, and we'll get a, a victory that way. Because obviously we talked about Mandel may have a lot of support. He has more followers. He has more money on hand as of right now. But I don't think Jane Timken's really worried about that so much. I think it's going to be a fascinating race. I mean, you know, Trump won Ohio by eight points. So and Ohio is – Traditionally, I'm kind of swung more Republican, not to say would always do that. But that said, I mean, you look, and everyone's got the detractors. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that don't like Tim Ryan for whatever reason. But, man, if you just look at it on paper, you know, take the politics aside and just look at it based on who's had more experience, who's been there, who's kind of done that. Man, you, you think Tim Ryan would lap Kane Timken overall based on political experience and everything. I mean, Brandon, if you're a Republican out there in Ohio, like that's leading the Republican race, do you roll Jane Timken or are you are you kind of, you know, scratching your head saying, man, I, I'm not sure if Jane Timken could beat Tim Ryan. I mean, I, I don't know. If, I, if I'm a Republican out there, I might, 
I'm not feeling too super confident about Tim Converse Ryan, in my opinion. It's um, I I remember when I was watching the uh, Dwine and Cordray race, and I thought both were just not exciting candidates. Um, and then, and sure enough, it seemed like, um, you know, there's some little bit of natural squabbling during the debates and whatnot. But um, I honestly don't even know if anyone really tuned into those debates. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think, and the funny thing is, you know, DeWine won. Um, and um, said and done and moved on. But, um, um, but, you know, it's just like that's the same. I, feel, I get I, somehow I get that same feeling with it. If it was a Timken versus Ryan kind of a uh, thing, you know, like first of all, you know, um, and that's where I thought experience is more important. Is yeah, Timken's got more experience, kind of sort of with the campaign function, you know, more on like a larger scale. But campaigning herself, that's where I'm curious about how her how how she'll be able to campaign herself. To, uh, for the Senate seat, and you know, is it simply going to, you know, um, you know, we, you know, um, how, you know, whether it's that she's going to struggle with that or whether she's not—that's my question. Uh, and, uh, and you know, because I think Ryan's got more recognition, name recognition, in a sense of, um, hey, I'm Tim Ryan. You've know, you know, it's like he kind of hails from that county that's teeter tottering between Trump and Democrats. So, um, but he's, you know, had some, had some name recognition over in, um, the democratic presidential debates too. So that, I don't know that it seems like it would be kind of even, but, um, I'm getting, it'll be Timkin's kind of a mystery right now to me. Yeah. And everything I've read about her seems to say, well, she's powerful behind the scenes. I mean, you got to look at it, and there's probably politicians, not just a high ball over the state, that, you know, they're not running, but they're they're financing campaigns. Look at the Koch brothers, who was pre-instrumental in Republican politics. And there's uh, people like that on the Democratic side and everything else. Well, Timken, I don't think, was as much of a money person, but they said, hey, she doesn't say much, but she's pretty powerful. I mean, that's what our reporters told us when we first heard Timken was running, and that's good, I guess, the fact. I mean, you don't have to be running to the camera every time to make political comments. So, I mean, good that you're trying to make your mark without... Except when you're appealing to voters directly. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and that's what I was saying, because... Look at me, I'm in the shadows! Right, uh, and, and, and that's what I'm saying. Like, uh, it's tough. And, and hey, if you've listened to the show for a while, you could probably say, well... You hypocrite, you're critical of people who run to Fox News cameras or CNN or MSNBC every time something happens. And yeah, that's a little ridiculous when all you're doing is being interviewed by those guys. But then on the other hand, you've got to be somewhat out there a little bit because you're running. And, you know, Tim Ryan, the perception that we're getting from the newsroom is, you know, Tim Ryan's starting to make statements. I mean, he's had a couple of uh, viral speeches recently where he's he's been frustrated, which we, we've all been frustrated at politics in general. And, you know, Tim Ryan's getting his name out there. Like him or not, at least you know who Tim Ryan is. Jane Timken, she's behind the scenes. And no matter how powerful she's behind the scenes, I'm not sure if she's attracting more than Trump voters right now. I mean, it's going to be close. But- I mean, it kind of comes down to like it's interesting that we've seen studies and reports saying look a lot of the Trump 
the Trump hold in terms of online interactions has gone down significantly since he's been banned from Twitter. Right. So it's almost like, I don't know, like I always thought of it as a spell in terms of of um, people just really love that style, the Trump style of campaign. Maybe they didn't really like Trump himself or liked his ideas. Maybe they did to some degree or they said, ah, I could live with that. But they really like that style, that firebrand, you know, screw the elite, you know, kind mm-hmm. of. But also just, you know, the rallies, the the big booming voice that you say whatever's on the tip of your tongue <clears throat> kind of pr- approach. And I... I don't. I don't know if any politician can really repl- replicate it without without a little bit of their conscience saying, "What are you doing?" Um, that's something I don't know if that's what appealed to voters more so was the energy, that kind of energy, or whether um, you know we can kind of now shift all that energy into substantial statements or positions. I mean, the biggest thing he had going for him was he had eighty million Twitter followers, where you know. Anytime, I mean, think about what we do in the news business, man. If you get retweeted by somebody who has 80 million followers, I mean, that means more attention to what you're doing and everything. And um, there has been talk, I know we reported last week that uh, Trump's going to do more rallies. And he's got one that he's trying to do in Ohio. I mean, you may have to do that because where else are you hearing from him? I mean, you know, he had that website where he was going to release press releases, but I haven't heard much from (laughs) what's going on with that, so. I don't know. It should be interesting. So, um, but yeah, um, Josh Mandel, um, have not heard much from Jim Jordan, uh, Craig, uh, recently. I think it was actually in, uh, Brandon and I, old haunt galleon. I saw a, um, a Facebook picture from the galleon, uh, fire department, uh, showing, um, you know, Jim Jordan there. <laughs> Brandon, we missed that. You know, we could have been covering Jim Jordan if we were selling guy. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know, Brandon. I, I I know what that yeah means. <laughs> what? No, no, no. I'm just saying, yeah, we could have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Is. If we were invited. I mean, uh, Craig shared sometimes that, you know, um, yeah, some of these guys don't need, don't feel like they need local media, so. Very good. But, you know, you may not need local media if you're out there campaigning or anything, but if you're campaigning or if you're like you and me and we're just trying to get by day from day, uh, we need a bank. We need a good bank. And I'm I'm talking to you on behalf of Chase Bank. It's worked for me. I know it hasn't worked for everybody. Uh, I'm looking at somebody on our panel right now, but, you know, hey, it's worked for me. It's been good. Uh, Again, all you got to do is click these links on our podcast provider page, our website, uh, sign for account. And, you know, you won't just experience how good Chase Bank can be. You get 225 bucks dropped in your account. It's going to help us out, too. Uh, check out Chase Bank. It's worked for me. Uh, we hope it will work for you as well. And um, go Chase Bank. I- I'm a fan, uh, and that's important. So <laughs> I give it my full crispy award. How about that? Hey, I wanted to, we're a little bit late on this news, but hey, you know, we had the holiday. I, I mean, come on, we got to, we got to take a break. We got to see our family and everything. Uh, but Vaximilian was last week. Um, Brandon, uh, you and I talked about the winner. Uh, we talked about some of the details. Um, <laughs> Thursday afternoon, uh, Brandon, I, did you see the press conference with the winners? 
Um, I have no, I haven't, I didn't see really all of the press conference. I saw bits and pieces, um, online naturally. Um, it really is painful, you know, as a big participant who's really hoping to win, like, you know, just see someone else get the money and just be like, you know, talk about all the fun things to get to do. So no, I, I did not go out of my way to torture myself and get the, see, like, see someone and have joy of millions of dollars and talking about them buying used cars or donating a lot of it to charity. So. Well, yeah, well, congratulations to Abby. Um, it could have been me. That should have been me, Chris. She, she won a million. She's a young girl, 22. I, it was fun to hear her story. Answered some of the questions. I, I think we've talked about a lot in the podcast where we were trying to figure out the details. And, um, Brandon, I don't know if you caught this part. Craig, I know he was out of state, but I'm sure Craig was watching every moment in real time when his laptop, you know, his wife said, Hey, you know, come, come celebrate my birthday. And, um, what was your birthday, right, Craig? It was her birthday, my wife's her birthday. birthday. And you're like, No, I got to catch up on my Mike DeWine press conference. I I see how you roll, Craig. But, but it was funny, um, Brandon, um, Abby said she found out. I didn't catch from the press conference, but I guess Mike DeWine will call you if he's going if you win the Vaximillion. Uh, did you catch that part? I found that part really interesting. Wait, what part was that? Mike DeWine called her. Oh yeah, that she won. Now she was driving from Cincinnati to Cleveland. She admitted she wasn't sure what time the drawing was. And I, I may have missed that part, but she didn't make it clear if, you know, he called her before or after. But, you know, that was the first time that, you know, she knew she won. So I guess the takeaway from that, we've got a second drawing coming up tomorrow night. So if it's Wednesday night and your phone goes off around 730 and you don't recognize the number, hey, it might be Thunder, right? Well, uh, yeah, I guess um, I don't know how what num what, what would be the caller ID on that. I guess uh, you know it would have to be some sort of red and recognized number. But yeah, it'd be kind of a weird phone call to get. Um, you would think, yeah, I gotta be pranked a little bit, right? This is kind of a bit of a joke there. So yeah. Well, and would it be private? Because sometimes I, I found this when I've done interviews for work and everything. If I have a celebrity call me, and they call me on their cell phone. In essence, you got their cell phone now. So I, I'm sure governor's not giving out his cell phone. Is it like, is he calling from a private number or is it, you know, I, I don't know what's going on. I mean, lot, lots of interesting things there. And then even better than that, uh, there was a kid um, who lives in the Dayton area. He won the college scholarship. And Craig, man, what's more special, winning a college scholarship or your dad getting a call from Governor DeWine saying, me and Fran DeWine are coming over to celebrate with you. The governor and Fran DeWine drove to the kid's house, and they had a mini block party to celebrate the college. How exciting would that be if you won Vaximillion and Mike DeWine and Fran DeWine came over to celebrate? What a night would that be? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I don't know if they're uh... – you know, into the late night partying, but uh, I think there would be uh, probably a lot of uh, music and fun and excitement uh, over winning a scholarship or any, you know, even the Vaximillion itself. Um, so it's got to be, it had to have been pretty fun to, you know, you know, we've gotten to know the governor and, and Fran quite a bit over this last year, primarily because of COVID and, and, you know, seeing the press conferences and, you know, 
watching them talk and watching them interact with each other or with the dog. So I think a lot of people probably feel like they know the governor a lot more than maybe you normally would. And, you know, having him show up at your home with his wife would have been kind of a surreal moment, but probably would have been a lot of fun for that family. Probably surreal for us since we've talked about the governor and ran so much <laughs> over the past year. If they show up at our house, man, that, that'd be crazy. Um, yeah, and Fran's a cook. I bet you, I bet you, you get, you're going to get some Buckeyes, you know? Yeah. Um, if you play sports, now I've learned my lesson. If you play, <laughs> you're going to play a pickup game and make sure it's wiffle ball and you don't play other sports <laughs> in the background. See, Brandon, I've, uh, I'm behaving myself here today. I hope you're proud. <laughs> Uh, I don't know, Brandon. Would you be excited if you know if you or your wife win Vax a million and Governor Fran are coming over to celebrate with you guys? My wife be upset because uh, she says the house wasn't clean cleaned in oh, time right. for guests. Oh yeah, <laughs> that that would be that's something definitely. Like, my wife would be she upset. went into heavy duty cleaning yesterday uh, over the weekend uh, just before before her her own parents who've been to the house in ever various states have come over for. Memorial Day uh, um, shenanigans. So, you know, it's like to have like an unexpected visit to be like, oh no, the house is in tatters. And I'm like looking around like, it's fine. It's, we're, we're not we're not hoarders or anything, I swear. Uh, yeah, I guess assuming the weather's nice, you know, I mean, maybe they don't have to go in. Uh, the governor tweeted out a picture of looking like the family and the kid and, you know, they were staying in the front yard. So, now, I guess if it's raining, maybe you have to invite them in, so that would be tough. You, you know, I mean, we shouldn't put each other in an awkward position. If one of us win the Vax a million, I, I mean, we don't, shouldn't feel like we need to give each other – like, we're not splitting this in the third. We, we each got our own bills to pay and everything else. But can we make the commitment, if one of us wins Vax a million, because, you know, the governor's been a popular topic on the show – um, we've had comedians talk about the governor. We've asked awkward questions to press secretary. Brandon, will you call me over so I can meet up with the governor and Fran if you win? And I'll call you guys. Craig, I, I know you're in Sandusky. It's going to be a, l- a little bit of a drive, but uh, Brandon and I will drive up to, uh, to Sandusky. I mean, we, we got experiences together. Uh, will we all make this commitment? I would. I would be willing to make the commitment, yeah. Brandon, will you at least do that? I got a feeling that you're not going to split the money with me, but can I at least experience the the, the wine party with you? Uh, I guess, sure. Um, you all, both of you are invited to this wine party. Yes. Um, and maybe if I get the million dollars in cash, I can at least you can look at the money. Uh, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah I'm, not, I'm not awkwardly saying, hey, give me some money. Maybe. I'm just saying... I want to meet Mike and Fran tomorrow. Well, I like it for you to at least look at a million dollars. I just want you to look at it. You know, yeah. I think it's like you can look at it, but you can't spend it. Yeah, I mean, you you don't even have to show me the million dollars. I'm being I, such I, a mean person right now. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm. I just wanted to meet my heroes, Mike and Fran DeWine. I think that'd be just fantastic. I mean, that would be celebration enough for me. I wonder if uh, I wonder if they brought wine over and they wine and they had wine with the wine. You know, I wonder yeah. if. Uh, you know, when they came over, they brought like a you know bottle of wine or something, and yeah, I mean, Amy Acton, and though she's not technically with Ohio, but I mean, let's bring Amy Acton over. Let's, I mean, you know, there's so much stuff you could do. You know, bring the interpreter over. I mean, you you can have her like interpreting in the background. Um, 
uh, John Husted. I mean, I, I want all of our heroes from the, the Ohio, you know, press conference. Dan Tierney needs to come over. You know, I, I mean, not many people know who Dan Tierney is, but maybe like in the background from the car, he got a microphone and just announced people. Right? <laughs> now entering the front yard, Fran and yes. Mike Wine. Yeah. yeah, Andy Chow from WSU. Right. Hey, Andy. Oh this is becoming like a, just like the White House Correspondence Dinner, but <laughs> for Ohioans. <laughs> that would be an idea. Why can't we create the Ohio Correspondence <clears throat> And we, we can make the... I, I, I got a feeling, and obviously we're not, you know, comedians. I got to get a tux for this, don't I? <laughs> right. <laughs> You're going to be I, the host. Obviously, we're not comedians, and all of our podcast listeners, as as a whole, are like, "Yeah, you're not funny," you know. But um, you know, it would be great. I mean, can you imagine if we presented something? If we were one of the speakers at the correspondence dinner, hey, we got the interior laughing. I think I got a chance, maybe. You know, yeah, you never know. I, I mean, I, I would definitely say I'm not the best comedian in Ohio by far, but you know, you got to save some money. It, it should be good. So. I, are you guys excited for week two? I mean, or has this lost a little bit to, of the newness? We've already been through one. I, mean, I wasn't here for the first one, so I'm kind of kind of excited about it. Although, you know, once I found out that uh, you get called in advance, and I think last week, I don't know if they did the same thing, but last week they, they drew the name on Monday, and then they announced it Wednesday. So I don't know if they're do, doing something similar to that or if it's a mystery until tomorrow night. But, you know, I was kind of hoping it would be sort of a random thing where your name gets called and then all of a sudden the, the, the storm comes. But it seems like, you know, you might get called in advance and who knows how far in advance you get called. But uh, I'm excited to, to watch it since I, I missed out on it last week being out of state. So I'm kind of excited. It's kind of new to me still. Well, and to be honest, I'm not sure if you got called in advance because okay. one of the things Brandon and I were talking about is, hey, you know, we invite Abby on the podcast. Now, I know we're not CNN or Good Morning America or anything, but hey, if she came on, she would have been welcome to come on, and we'll extend the same invitation to whoever wins Vax a Million Part 2. But, you know, uh, I was telling um, Brandon the other week, um, as soon as I found that I didn't win, uh, me and some of my coworkers from Gannett, Ohio, were trying to find this woman. And, you know, she had an unusual first name. I mean, she was like Mary Smith. I mean, uh, she had a unique name. And we found her quickly on Facebook. We sent her messages. Um, I know some of our other state house reporters quickly found her on Twitter, uh, quickly found her on LinkedIn. Um, her phone number was on her resume on LinkedIn. So we called her probably in five minutes. So, uh, Sol and Brandon, it, it's a good idea. Now, again, it, it's not likely that we're going to win Vax a million, but probably a good reminder to check your social media settings. Or And our hope was that maybe the person would get the call early. Like if Governor DeWine called at <clears> 7 <throat> and said, hey, just a heads up, it's going to get a little crazy in your life in a half hour. You know, just take some breaths, maybe turn your phone off or whatever you want to do. So I don't know. Uh, Brandon, have you scrubbed your social media? Or are you turning your phone off at 7 p.m.? Well, I guess you shouldn't because if Mike DeWine calls, you definitely don't want to go into voicemail. It's like, it's like um, hey, you've reached uh, Brandon Klein. I'm not at the phone right now, but hey, if this is Governor Mike DeWine, here's a 
uh, code for you to fi figure out my real number to give me the good news call. <laughs> I, th I think it would be super exciting if, you know, they reported when Mike DeWine's calling. And, you know, if he's using a burner phone, I mean, obviously he's not going to get a real <laughs> cell phone. Give him a burner phone and say, uh, I mean, geez, how many clicks would we get, Craig, if we're saying, hey, Governor DeWine's going to call at 715 and here's the number. Oh, everyone will be staring at their phones. And if you see that number on your, your um, you know, caller ID, you're, you're going crazy. Oh, yeah. That, I think that would add more excitement to week two. We we got to boost this up, Brandon. We can't be doing this exact same way. I'm I'm surprised at how much media attention the the it caused amongst national. You know, New York Times did a story. USA Today did a story. Uh, um, like um, I get it, it was the first one, but I'm curious. And then I kept thinking, are they going to do this one for every single and a winner? Um, I feel like at that point maybe the the I don't know. I mean, like, it would just be kind of bizarre if they did kind of like did a story for each winner, but maybe for at least on the national scale. But um, um, yeah, that's just kind of what I was th went through my head when I was a little taken back. Like, oh, they actually are going to uh, do some mass coverage of this. So yeah, I I think we're going to see a little bit less, especially this week. It, you know, it's a weird week. I mean, I I generally don't start work until Tuesday. I'm actually off this week, but. You know, it's a quick turnaround. You know what I mean? A lot of people were off for Memorial Day. I know a lot of uh, the news was planned. You know, the, the plans were playing out until Monday. So you really got one day to cover this. I'm, I'm sure you'll see some coverage today. I'm not saying everyone's going to forget it. But I'm not sure if you're going to see as much of the coverage as you saw this last time. But just my guess. Who knows? Um, it, it may go even crazier. Um, hey, want to give a quick note before we get to our last story. Um, it's just kind of a reminder of what we're doing. Uh, we've got our shows, um, typically Monday for Thursday. We're going to be Tuesday for Thursday for the holiday. Uh, we've got bonus coverage coming over the weekend. Uh, I appreciate everyone that submitted content. Uh, it was hard because obviously we had extra day to deal with, but you know, you heard Bob Garber over the weekend. You heard, um, some content from me and, um, Paul and Joe, we kind of talked some about some goofy stories and have some fun with that. Uh, we have special Steelers edition go coming out. So check out our content, our extra content from Friday to Sunday. Typically. So uh, we've got content coming out each day, even if it's not specifically from us. All right. Well, let's uh, talk about the last story. I hate to end on a little bit more serious note, but... I'm hearing a little bit more about this, and um, LeBron James, you know, from Akron, um, he's helping produce a documentary on CNN about the Tulsa massacre. And um, now this is where we're getting the Juneteenth holiday from, right? I'm making sure I'm understanding this correct. Uh, Juneteenth is kind of, I think, a separate thing, um, separate holiday okay. for like a end of slavery. At least in some part of the states, and that's be kind of came became a representation of entirely end of states. But no, Tulsa, the Tulsa race massacre, a uh, completely um, shocking event in the early 20th century of American history, from what I understand. And sadly, we don't know much about it. Um, you, you know, I know. Um, last week, um, Brandon, you and I talked a lot about the critical race theory, and. We were kind of scratching our heads. And obviously, different classes aren't for everybody. I mean, I'm not saying all 100% people would understand 
why we need something like that. But the very idea that, you know, I can sit here and say, I don't know much about the Tulsa Rape Massacre. I, I kind of just misidentified what Juneteenth is about. I, I think we need to have more of an education, more of that training. And I got to tell you, not everybody's excited about CNN based on what your politics is. Uh, CNN does a great job on documentaries. I've been watching the uh, story of late night documentary. It's been good. It's kind of detailed the history of late night talk shows. I'm anxious to see this Tulsa one. I, I, um, Brandon Craig, do you know much about what happened in Tulsa? I don't. So I'm looking forward to seeing the doc to at least educate myself on what happened. Yeah, I mean, I, I I was not aware of it. It's it's actually kind of strange. The um, the the way that I found out about this was actually through the HBO series Watchmen. I was watching the the series, and essentially the very first scene of this of this science fiction series based off of a graphic novel was set during the Tulsa race massacre, um, and it just kind of tells the the gory story of of that event. And, you know, I, like a lot of other people just had no clue that this was a real thing. I mean, at first you just kind of figured it was sort of a thing to set up the show and how they were doing things with characters. And then you sort of realized, well, this is actually real. Um, and, you know, I was talking to George Thomas, our, you know, our beloved contributor uh, about this uh, during one of our pop culture podcasts, because, you know, he was talking about the underground railroad show that's on Amazon Prime right now. And we were talking a little bit about uh, the Tulsa race massacre and about how he, even he wasn't as informed of this when he was growing up going through high school because it just wasn't taught. So um, I agree with you. It's, it's something that we need to, we can't just, you know, scrub from our memories. We can't scrub from our history books. Things like this need to be taught and they need to be you know, explained in greater detail as to why things like this you know, weren't taught and why they happened and, you know, what happened with them because a lot of people just don't know about this incident and it's a real thing and people just, it just kind of gets scrubbed from history because people who write textbooks didn't want to put it in apparently. And, you know, we all missed out on the opportunity to learn more about what went wrong so we can not do that again. And unfortunately, um, you know, I, I hate to think, you know, I'm, I'm, we're all college educated people and we did not know about this. And I didn't know about this other than watching a TV show that was based off of a graphic novel in a science fiction setting. So, you know, hopefully this leads to more, you know, communication and more education about some of these things that did happen. And I mean, I'm reading this myself because, you know, I grew up in an area that we weren't learning about things like the Tulsa race and massacre, but you know, it was a rampage. It went through uh, five blocks of black owned businesses in the Tulsa area. Um, original estimates place a death toll between hundred to 300 people. And you might sit there and say, wow, I didn't know about that either. And look, 1921. Yes, it was a hundred years ago, but shocking that a hundred years ago, we had something that bad. It's it just, it's shocking and it's disappointing. I mean, even in Oklahoma, I mean, this happened in Tulsa. Um, I see a stack here. I'm looking through the USA Today coverage. They're saying 83% of the people did not know it until they became adults, which is saying that even in Oklahoma, where it's like state history, you you didn't know about that, which is kind of stunning. And, I, you know, again, I'm not necessarily waving the critical race theory flag around, 
But it's funny when you sit here and say, well, we don't need to know more about that stuff. Or, you know, I want to learn more about the founding fathers. If we're talking about instances where a couple hundred people die and nobody knows about it, we're doing ourselves a disservice because history isn't just, hey, learn about things you want to learn about. It's more of learn from lessons of history that we don't repeat these lessons again. And, hey, bravo to LeBron James. I know LeBron James gets criticism for political action he takes. But, hey, he's investing his own money to having a documentary talking about something that we're not being being taught in schools. Um, I don't know. Uh, Craig Brennan and I have talked about this a lot last week. Um, you know, there's some legislators here in Ohio that want to kind of say, hey, we don't necessarily want critical race theory being tied. And really, really, critical race theory is just saying, hey, take, take a second thought in how we've treated people of, of a racist throughout the years. And, you know, start to think about that. And I got to admit, the area I grew up in, we didn't do that. And fortunately, my multiculturalism wasn't even introduced to me until I stepped into college. And I'll be honest, there wasn't a ton of people of color at the college I went to. So I, I, I think to learn history, we got to learn more about some of this stuff. And as we said, it's shocking. To, we, we just don't know. Um, so the, the documentary debuted, I believe it was last night on CNN. I'm sure that it's going to air again. And if you have... Um, you know, on demand, I'm, I'm sure you'll be able to access it there too. Um, I, I don't know, Brent. I feel weird about this because I, I'm kind of talking about this. Going, I'm not even sure why this is the discussion, other than saying, "Hey, it's another cool documentary. We should check out, learn." It, it's so weird about how stuff like this even is deemed by some as controversial. Yeah, I think it's partly, you know. Um, they always say history is decided by the winners. Um, and we're kind of seeing the after effects of that for sure. Um, you know, and then I think, I also think too about this funny other film that, that, um, you know, Craig, Craig says, you know, Hey, he heard about this historical event through, uh, uh, you know, entertainment programming. You know, I think of this other fun film that's kind of underrated, you know, the invention of lying. Um, and, uh, the title's not ignore the title. It's a stupid title, but it's really you know because it was a world fictional world where the film's premise was about um, how that how what their form of entertainment was. It, well, you know, aside from the fact that there's a group of a society where people cannot lie, they just don't they don't even they don't the word lie is not even in their lexicon. So what they did, but that means no movies, no television, no fictional programming. Um, and so the only way they, they entertain themselves was to have someone sit in a chair and just recite history, um, you know, in the most accurate and truthful way possible. Um, and it was very boring, very not compelling. And I think I was thinking about this as we were having this conversation about how do we make history compelling without necessarily, um, um, you know, playing fast and loose with, with, with the truth. Um, you know, to really make it, to really, you know, highlight and emphasize that this, this events like this have happened. Um, we're, you know, and it's not like we're pushing any agenda or any, or any, um, um, you know, philosophy or trying to make you come to a conclusion. Um, we're not saying we want you to come out of this, out of this lesson of, 
or hearing about this event or, you know, like, oh, Republicans are racist. That's not the goal. That was never the goal. Um, the goal is to say, hey, we have we have this it, these it, we've had these um, <laughs> blemishes is an underrated word, but I'm going to I can't think of a better one. Dark stains. How about that? Dark stains in our in our in our history that just need to be confronted and um, and uh, really brought to the light. And um, some people are indifferent about history and just want to kind of enjoy the present. Some people um, want to, you know, care a lot about it and think it's important. And some people are like, oh, you're just pushing an agenda. And I think that's kind of where I feel like the discourse has been at for the last several decades. I mean, or, or feels like that. I mean, I've only been on here for almost three decades. So I've only heard probably this conversation for the last 20, but, um, um, you know, I think it's I, I Tulsa race massacre, Tulsa race riot. They might have been mentioned in my history textbook. I glossed over it though, but you know, because it really, it's almost like it's very different just to read about it in a textbook and having like a whole lesson dedicated to this kind of event. This is something that you would like. We all love to talk about Rosa Parks and you know saying no, no to getting out of her seat, um, and we kind of of appropriated it into a sense of, uh, of, uh, American values being demonstrated there of bravery and stuff. And now today it's like, my gosh, you know, people get slammed for, uh, kneeling during national anthem because, you know, Hey, there's a person who has a concern about an issue in society. Um, he's always oh, pushing in an agenda. It's, uh, and, uh, like, um, and that's not, not necessarily accurate, I think, but, that's where I think our, I think that's if anything our takeaway is just trying to figure out what the discourse should look like and um, um, and just banning and saying no to um, race education is um, or any any kind of education is merely a form of censorship. So um, let the teachers have and the students have space to explore. I mean, they have the internet at their tips. Um, I'm sure someone will land on an Infowars article <laughs> that will tell them everything that's wrong with critical race theory. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Uh, so again, check it out. It's not my place to tell you what to watch on CNN or whether to watch CNN. But I mean, whatever you do, just open your eyes, read stuff you might not know about, read stuff you don't understand. And even if you don't agree with a certain topic or anything else, be well read. Learn more about history. Um, I find myself, I'm 46, and you know, I've done some things in my life I'm not proud of. Um, I moved around a ton for newspapers that don't pay that much and everything. And you know, you learn lessons. Whatever you do like that, it, it impacts your family and everything. And you know, it's good because when you look back at your personal history, you say, "Hey, I didn't do this right. I got to learn." And it's going to impact however long I live from 46 on forward. And more importantly, it's important about how we treat other people especially people of color. And if we can't learn that, we're just not in great shape. Well, let's start to wrap up. Craig, welcome back. We're, yeah. we're happy to have you back from vacation. That's Good to be back. From his job. It's not like, you know, we're paying him vacation pay. I mean, you know, can't make it, can't make it. Um, anything you want to shout out? You've, you've had a couple days of being away. I mean, is there something that's on your thoughts before we take off? I just get glad to be back. Very good. Um, a busy week, I'm sure. Pop culture stuff will be coming up. Um, 
I know Craig was talking to the great Bob Garver. What did you guys talk about yesterday? Well, we talked. He reviewed uh, A Quiet Place Part Two, Cruella, and Army of the Dead. So a lot of uh, big summer blockbusters uh, coming out. Uh, so he took a look at those. So very uh, interesting takes on all of them. So definitely check that out when it really when it drops on Friday. We had a mini podcast yesterday, Brandon. You and I are Disney Plus people. Thirty bucks to watch Cruella on Disney Plus. Are, are you making the investment? Uh, I might actually do drive-in theater for this one, Chris. Uh, my wife is upset when she finally learned the reality of Disney Premier Access. <laughs> yeah. She's like, what do you mean I got to pay twenty nine ninety nine? Does that mean I get all the Premier Access? No, 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 no. Yeah. You get just the one film. That, <laughs> that's a lot of money. I think it's a rental, right? I mean, you don't get to keep Cruella, right? You watch it. Well, for you do. You do. Oh, you get to keep it. Okay. Well, you keep it until it's free for everyone, and then you right. keep it. <laughs> oh yeah, right. Wow. Well, well, I'm curious though. That is a good question because, like, what if Disney decided to take Cruella off for everyone? Does that mean you lose? Well, I had Premier Access on it. <laughs> I, I don't know. This is kind of a slippery slope for me, but um, I think you're really. I always thought of it as you're paying more for just getting early access to it. Um, so rather than wait till it comes on Disney Plus, so. Yeah, or charge ten, fifteen bucks for it. Not way you can make it like HBO Plus, where when you premiere these movies, you can premiere the new thing, and you're paying the extra to do that. So I don't know. That's why I don't. That's why I don't house streaming services. <laughs> I'm not working for them right now. I guess I'm not sure exactly how it works. All right. Well, thanks for checking us out. It, it kind of felt weird today, guys. To be honest with you, a good show. I, I feel like we've been away for a long time. This extra day, I mean, I'm like, it's weird. We're getting up, we're talking Ohio news and everything, but it's good to be back in the swing of things. I mean, you know, it's like riding the bike. You get back on the bike and you're rearing to go, so it should be good. We will be back tomorrow. We'll be back Thursday this week. I'm sure more Vaximillion talk, and uh, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of breaking news today. I got that feeling. I mean, Craig is back to work after being away, and no, actually, I'm still off today. I'll be back officially tomorrow for work. Oh, man. Still off today. Craig so. will be churning out the stories. I'm, I'm sure his <laughs> voice will be filled with story ideas. Oh, yeah. That'd be good. So, and All right. Well, very good. Yes, I, I need to watch my kids today. Uh, we had our last day of school on Friday, and my wife is moving. Brandon, man, if you need a story, um, her school is moving to another place in Columbus. So they're taking a week to move, and I'm watching the kids. So yeah, what do you think the chances I'm going to make it till Friday, Brandon? <laughs> well, we, uh, we won't have a show, I guess, next week. <laughs> yeah, I might be dead by Friday. It, it, uh, I'm actually going back to work on Saturday. Uh, my boss was like, why are you doing that? I'm like, well, I'm trying to save my off days. Believe me, this isn't a fun vacation. This is just hopefully Chris can survive as my 8- and 14-year-old dance all over me and uh, and make my life interesting. So it should be good. So, yeah, the, the true podcast might be if you play live camera me all day as I <laughs> cry and sob and just uh, – I hate to say this, guys. I am actually would rather be at work today. It's going to be a, a rough one. So <laughs> it's going to be tough. All right. Well, hey, we'll be back tomorrow. Thanks for checking out the Highland. Y'all have a great day. Remember, check out our sponsors and share with your friends. Thanks for all your support. You have a good one. Hi, I'm Jennifer Mooney 
Welcome to what is our new Hope Interrupted podcast based on the work from our book, Hope Interrupted, that I co-authored with my good friend, Byron McCauley. Hey, Jennifer. You know, I'm looking forward to this podcast as much as I was look, looking forward to writing this book with you. We hope to interview some uh, high-impact folks as well as have a little fun. We're going to cover stories of hope. To learn more about our podcast and our book, please visit www.hopeinterrupted.com.